I got various, various titles for our study today. One of my favorite ones is Sin Sniffer. <laughs> Here come the judge. And self-righteous, judgmental, hypocrite. Use all three. Pick one for your favorite. It's kind of fitting for what we're going to do. I want to recap a little bit, but let's pray first. Lord, we just ask you to come into the presence of these people, into our hearts powerfully, that no matter what's going on in our lives, our hearts would be softened to the reality of your presence, your power, your plan, and your purpose for our lives. We know in Peter's last days, his prayer would be that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of you, our mighty King. I pray for that this morning, Lord, that we would see you, that we would experience you today, Lord, that we would be spoken to directly, each one of us individually. We know that no matter where we are in this glorious book, <coughs> basic instructions before leaving earth, Bible, we know that you can minister to everyone in this place according to your Holy Spirit working <coughs> through the word in the needs that they have in the life that they're experiencing right now. And we love the fact that you know the condition of every heart here. You know what we need, so we ask, we seek, and we knock this morning on your door. Bring to each one of us, Lord, what we need to hear today. In Jesus' precious name. And all God's children said? Amen. Amen. There's two things you need to know. Very important. If you don't go home with anything else, go home with this. Number one, there is a God. Number two, you're not Him. <laughs> You're going to go home with that, aren't you? All right, you've got that. I want to recap a little bit. Let, let's, let's read over these first six verses. Rory was going to do the first 16 verses. Uh, he forgot the last 10. Actually, we'd still be here if he was doing the last 10. Uh, but, you know, what, what, what more glorious thing to have a week-long Bible study. I want to read to you from the NLT. It kind of spells it out uh, in verse 1 to 6. You may think you can condemn such people. And the such people, of course, is the, the, the chapter one list of, of just all the worldly junk and the rejecting of the Lord and the lifestyles that are being lived in carnality and, and evil and wickedness and all that. He says, you may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad, he says to the church in Rome, made up of saved Jews and saved Gentiles. And you have no excuse. <laughs> you have no excuse when you say they are wicked and should be punished. You are condemning yourself for you who judge others these very same things. You, you're doing the very same things. Verse 2, and we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderful, kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Doesn't this mean nothing to you? Does this mean nothing to you, he says? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? But... Because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are strong or you are storing up trouble, terrible punishment for yourself for a day of anger 
is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. You know, when Jesus came the first time, he came to do what? To seek and to save. He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God right now, and he is coming back. But the, the, the second advent, which is kind of cool because we will be with him when he returns to set up his, his kingdom on earth from Jerusalem. It's going to be an amazing moment for all of us. He's going to rule and reign. We're going to be with him. But he's coming back as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's coming back to judge. He is the judge. There's the here come the judge part. And so he's basically saying, what do you You guys are a bunch of sin sniffers. Can you imagine spending your life going around. And keep in mind, you have a legalistic group, the Jews that were still kind of bent towards the law. And then you have Gentiles that had no clue of any of that. But by the natural power and the force of God's spirit, the power of God's spirit, they have this natural knowing about these things when they have surrendered their life to the Lord. I want to give you, remember the syndex. Didn't you love the syndex from last week? Remember, do you guys, do you take notes? I took notes. Come on, you guys. Or record it or go back and watch it or something. Remember the syndex? It was something that the world has taken a survey. And basically everything that the Lord finds to be wicked and dark and evil, uh, well, the world accepts most of it. It's not even on the list hardly. Goofy things are on the list of, of what the world would consider uh, difficult things. And there was the scoffing thing. You know, that plays into this first six verses you know, what are you doing sniffing other sins out? You're scoffing at these people. You just remember Rory is up here and you're going, oh, oh. And for the life of me, I tried to figure out how to take notes on that little bird noise or whatever it was that he made. Do you remember that? And I haven't tried the closed caption thing. Is that, how many of you have gone home and turned the, the closed caption thing on so you can see how it describes the motions and the nature shows that nobody... <laughs> Wow. It's a good thing that wasn't a spiritual moment. You guys would be busted. <laughs> we have a mixture of thoughts I want to share with you this morning as we kind of get into the last 10 verses of this. This recap. Interesting. A mixture of thoughts. Therefore, there is no excuse for any of you to be a self-righteous, judgmental hypocrite. Why do you judge others on their actions and judge yourself on your intentions? That's straight from the movie Facing the Giants. <laughs> I watched that again yesterday. What a great movie. That was from the coach on the football team at Shiloh Academy Christian School. It's great. And he was ministering to one of the football players that wasn't into this Jesus stuff. And I love that. He's talking about his relationship with his dad. He says, why, do you, why are you so hard on your dad? Just trying to be a dad. He's doing all the best he can. And yet you're judging him for that. And you're just, remember what Rory said last week, and you're so easy on yourself. How, how, how is it that everybody, that, that your sins look so much worse on everybody else? Bummer, isn't it? Well, you're so easy on yourself. You judge yourself for your intentions. 
We scoff at the world's sin while, while we're sinning ourselves. That is the slick and sick thing that was discussed. Don't you know? Oh, I love Jesus saying, you know what? Take the log out of your own eye so you can see clearly to help your brother or your sister. So you can help them with the speck of sin, the speck of problematic situations in their life. And if you think you're going to avoid God's judgment for living the same way the people uh, that you're judging do, you got another thing coming. This is just a recap of some mixed thoughts. Mine, Rory's facing the giants. You know, some basic things I've conjured up. The Lord is speaking to my heart. Can't you see that it's God's kindness, forbearance, and patience that is intended to turn you from your sin? And yet you despise these things. Your hard, unrepentant heart is so full, it's going to bring a heap and hell of God's wrath upon you, and no one else is to blame. No one else is to blame. The thing that you and I can know for sure, Revelation tells us, that God's judgment, speaking about this very judgment issue, is right and true. And we know it's according to truth as we've read. Interesting, I have, you know, Ecclesiastes 12, 13 tells us God will bring everything into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. 2 Corinthians 5, 10, we must all appear at the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Peter 4.17, the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. That's us. 1 Corinthians 4.5, judge nothing before it's time. See, the Lord's the judge, not us. And I think the Lord would tell each one of us when it comes to this issue. Because I know some people struggle with this, looking into this, this crazy world that's just dark and evil and sick and slick and all that stuff. We want to, don't we want to judge that? We want to cast our judgment upon that. But that's not what the Lord tells us to do. What's He tell us to do? Love Him and love them. That's interesting, isn't it? It's the greatest commandment. We can always come back to the greatest commandment and literally all these other things sit in that couch. Love God, love thy neighbor as thyself. Love people. Does that mean you go hang out with these wicked, evil, dark lifestyles? No. There's an old adage that is very true. If you, well, I think my, my wife shared this so many times with the kids and with the, in the women's ministry. If you want to soar like an eagle, don't hang out with turkeys. Don't you love turkeys? Oh, they're so easy. I just love going like this. And they all go... It's the goofiest thing. We've got turkeys and everything around our places forever. Bears and cougars and turkeys and deer and elk. And it's just a crack up. But those turkeys, man, they show up and you just go, you just go. You got to soar. If you want to soar like an eagle, you hang out with the Lord. You hang out with God's people. You witness to the, to the people of the world. You shine your light into those lives. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That is the point. Not to, not to think you're awesome. Not to think anything is cool about you, but that your lifestyle would point to Jesus. That you would be a signpost pointing to the Lord because of the love that exudes from you. Because of the life that He's given you. Because of the way you're conducting yourself in this life. 
Gang, the thing that's so great for us, it's not about having to do stuff or not. It's about getting to be who Christ has saved us to be. That's the most amazing thing ever. A whole new person. I love seeing the, the young generation, these high school kids in this church getting together and studying the word. And, and you know, that, that's just so great. I didn't get saved till I was in my late 30s. And that's one thing. If I could do it different, I would have done it different. But I was raised in a religious organization that is totally upside down and backwards these days. Judge nothing before his time. We know Romans 14, 12. Each of us shall give an account to him, account of himself to God. We're not getting out of this deal just because we're going to end up at the Bema seat or the mercy seat for judgment. That's where the wood, hay, and stubble and all the things in your Christian life that was kind of done maybe a little bit for you or for other reasons other than to please God. It gets burned up. It disappears. It dissipates. The ones that will stand before God at the great white throne judgment will be those that have rejected Christ. I think we see a blend of people possibly in this church as there are in any church. God forbid that somebody would be in a church like this church and spend week after month after year here and not know Jesus Christ. And be caught up in that old mentality of just doing things, thinking that that's going to get him in. The works mentality. But we know and we see in this study that, 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 you know, faith without works is dead, James tells us. In other words, true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which is to trust in, adhere to, and rely on the Word of God, that produces something in you. You guys, you guys know 2 Corinthians 5.17, I think it is. If any man, listen, if any man, if any woman, if any teenager, if any young person is in Christ, guess what? They are a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You can't get saved and have the power of God in your life and just kind of be as gnarly as you were before. And yet there are carnal Christians in this life. Corinthians talks about the natural man and the carnal man and, and the spiritual man. And, and so we see those realities, but we want to... I pray get to the place where the carnal will repent and throw themselves in the arms of the Lord, that the lost will come to know the Lord, and that the spiritual, as Galatians tells us, when they see their brother or sister in a fall, will reach out to them, not cast down on them, not throw judgment on them, but to reach out with them. You know, the Jesus revolution back in those days the band love song, you know, just so many, so much great music back then. But they talked about, you know, you got, you got two hands. With one, with one you reach out to the Lord, and with the other you bring a friend. It's so right. It's so good. We bring our friends, we bring our family, even though they're tough to minister to, aren't they? Hebrews four thirteen. All things are naked and open before the eyes of Him. To whom we must give an account. First Peter 5, 4. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So how is it that some would, would despise the goodness of God that leads us to repentance? The moral excellence and character and demeanor of God. The forbearance of God. The self-restraint and the tolerance that he has for our sinful lives. Even as believers sometimes. His long suffering which is his patience for all of us. Second Peter 3, 9. He is long-suffering toward us, not willing 
that any should perish. How many of you guys in this, in this, man, is this nice today? No smoke, blue skies, cool, cool weather. Is God awesome or what? All good things come from the Father of lights. Just want to throw that out there. A sweet weather morning like this, it's a gift from God because He loves you so much. He loves to, to do these simple things for us. You just, it, it, but in our sinful moments, it's His goodness, His patience and all that keeps Him from just stepping on us like a bug and just going, done with you. You know that old song, We're the Bugs and He's the Windshield? That's how it should be sometimes. Here we are. You've, have you ever driven through a swarm of anything? I was driving down the road one day in my fuel truck, heading for John Day, and my window was down. It was a nice day. And a brood of quail decided to fly off of the bank. Sideways. I ended up with birds in my truck. <laughs> And if that wasn't a sight, here's this, here's, you know, here's Ira, the old one, driving the fuel truck, 11,500 gallons of gas, you know, going down Rock Creek, heading for John Day, and here comes these quail, and I'm in there going, oh, what, you know, it was kind of crazy. And then we're, you know, going out to Polina, one of my runs, you know, going out to Polina. It's kind of cool. I get to see some of our church family out there. But here's these stinking locusts out there. And man, they trashed me every time I drove out there. You got to put the windows up. You're eating locust legs. You know, they're hitting the mirrors and coming in. And... We've all sinned and come short of God's glory, haven't we? And we kind of do. Still. Because we're, we're, we're imperfect. We're an imperfect people. We are a flawed people. It's amazing to see how that plays out. God's judgment is according to truth. We know in verse 2, sinners saved. God's judgment is three things here. It's according to truth. It's proportionate to the mercy of God that has, that has been denied in accordance with hardness of heart and the unrepentant attitude of unbelievers who treasure up or store up for themselves the wrath and the day of God's righteous judgment. More denial, more wrath. The third thing is God's judgment is according to deeds. We must never confuse this with the with the, the getting a pass thing by works. We are saved by grace through faith, and that is a gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. And it goes on to say, and we are his workmanship. We are God's workmanship. The Greek word is poema. And even if you're not a poem reader, people are going to read you. Did you know that people are, your, the, your family, friends, co-workers, they are reading you. They are watching you to see what you do with life, how you go through the experiences you go through. And they're going to read your story. You are a living epistle, every one of you. And that's either going to turn them away or that's going to draw them in because they're like a cat. They're just curious as to why in a difficult situation, in a tragic moment in your life, you have peace in your life. You have joy in your life. Well, it's because the peace comes from Jesus and the joy comes from the Lord as well. The, the, Nehemiah 8, right? 
The joy of the Lord is my strength. He gives us the peace that passes all understanding to get in those moments and to run through the valley of the shadow of death into the, into the place of blessing. And I know because this family, you know, there's a bunch of folks here. Not everybody here is just like, you know, hey man, how you doing? Super! Is that all of you? Would you all say super? I don't think so. There's problems here. There's struggles here. There's difficulties here. Every family has that. And I want to encourage you today as we continue to roll through these passages that that you don't want to be on this self-righteous, judgmental, hypocritical side of Christianity. You don't want to be a sin sniffer. Remember, Rory brought that up. He said, you know, when you're, and this is old, I don't know who started this way back, but when you're pointing at somebody, yeah, look at them, yeah, there's three more fingers pointing at you. That's a bad equation. For me, it's simple. I was so, I was just, my life was so stupid when the Lord saved me. He actually had to tip me over in a 96,000 pound truck, trap me for three and a half hours so he could get my attention. It was interesting because I wasn't saved, but I heard God. He said, why are you throwing your life away now that I've got your attention? I was mangled in there. It was a bloody mess. My left leg was broken completely off and spun backwards. Everything on my left side was cracked and fractured. And it's kind of like, I didn't have an answer for that. And I'm a talker sometimes. <laughs> I had no answer for that question. Good news was six months later, as per a daycare family that invited us to the Applegate Christian Fellowship on a Wednesday night, I rolled in there. And I, it, it's weird, you know, the Bible says you don't come to the Lord unless He calls you, He draws you, right? Well, He was drawing me. It was like a tractor beam. Because <laughs> when they said, hey, you want to come to a Bible study? I said, well, yeah. That wasn't my life. I was a party animal. My life was all that stuff. I don't even have to say it. Everybody's tired of hearing it. But it was all that junk. And so I just said, yeah, let's go. I walked through the doors and here's friends of mine. Old sinner friends. Isn't that crazy? Oh, this one friend of mine, Todd, we looked at each other and we both almost passed out. He saw me coming and it's like... And I looked at him, I thought, you, what are you doing here, dude? Seriously, this is a church. And it's Wednesday. Who goes to church on Wednesday in the park? And studies Proverbs. A bunch of nutcases, obviously. People have nothing better to do. That's got to be the, 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 true, the truth about that. This judgment thing, this sin thing, the righteousness of God, according to our deeds. We don't ever want to misinterpret that. That doesn't get us a free pass because Romans 5.1 tells us that we are justified by faith and then we have access to God and that's where we stand. We have a foundation that is immovable. It's absolutely amazing. It goes on to say crazy things. You know, Jesus said stuff like love your enemies, right? We're all into that. That's, you know, there's sign-up sheets for loving your enemies today after the service. See how many people sign up for that? 
You know, but he goes on to say, you know what? And guess what? Because we're justified. In other words, our, we etch us, it's the, what I call etch a sketch theology. Remember etch a sketches? Some of you older folks remember they used to be like this big? Oh. Now they're like this big. Why does everything have to be like a cell phone or an iPod? Anyway, you, and you draw, you, so the picture of your life is on there and you just go, and it's gone. That's what Jesus did for us with his blood. He just went, he had to shake me, literally. And it's gone. You're brand new. This is an amazing thing. But it goes on to say, and guess what? Because we're saved, sealed, filled with the Holy Spirit, we got the grace of God and the power of God and the Spirit of God and this amazing foundation. Guess what? Now we get to glory in tribulations. Sign ups for that after the service. We get to glory in tribulation. Why? And this is, this is where getting serious about your Christianity pays off. Because it produces things, doesn't it? Patience, character, and hope. The difficulties we go through produce amazing things. Peter wrote about it. Don't think it's strange when you, when you go through fiery trials. They are to test your faith. You know, Matthew 5 deals with the judgment upon the nations. When Jesus returns to the earth, according to how the nations have treated the Jews especially those during the tribulation period. 2 Corinthians 5.10 again. The judgment of believers. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, the mercy seat, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Rewards for the way we live and served Christ after being born again. All given account, Romans 14, 12 tells us. That's an amazing thing. Let's read our text. This Was there a breeze up here? Somebody's been blowing my Bible around. What is going on? Verse 7. Let me read it to you in our New King James Version. We pick up our story now. God's going to render to each one according to their deeds, whether they're good or bad, eternal life to, and it goes on to spell it out, eternal life to those who patiently continue, uh, or, or by patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality. That basically is the life of a, should be the life of every believer. They're seeking the right things. They're going the right direction. Colossians 1 tells us, oh, I love the prayer. Um, you know what? You guys are prayed up. We pray for you all the time. I love praying for this church family. But there's a great prayer in there that we would be a people that live to fully please the Lord Jesus Christ. That's loving God, loving people. Because once you get to the place of living and living your life and doing what you do to please the Lord Jesus Christ, everything else falls into place. When you're loving God, you have a tendency to love people. It's that simple. I wasn't always, you know, the love bug or riding in the love boat or any of that. I had some pretty gnarly times in my past because it was just a worldly, worldly life and, and all that comes with it. You know, we see that everybody's going everybody's gonna to experience 
judgment upon their lives. Verse 7, eternal life to those who, will, who by patient uh, continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But there's that disassociated conjunction tying two opposing thoughts. Those that are seeking the Lord will, 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 will be blessed. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, guess what they're going to get? Indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. Even though the Jews are God's favorite people, His, his special people, the apple of His eye, His chosen ones, even the ones that, that embrace Jesus as their Lord and Savior, there's no partiality here. Don't you love the fact that God doesn't have favorites? Isn't that great? He loves you all the same. No favorites whatsoever. You're as important to Him as Billy Graham, as Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel. You're as important and you are as loved as anybody and everybody in the body of Christ. And you have a purpose and God has a plan for that life of yours that is filled with purpose and promise. So you have to think about this with me. The, you know, the great white throne, oh dude, that, that's going to be, that's a bad deal. God's judgment to those who rejected His Son, His love and forgiveness. Who would reject love? Isn't that the most bizarre thing? I don't want that love. Get away from me. Don't be good to me. Don't be kind to me. Flush the joy. Get the peace out. What is this stuff you Christians are about? Isn't it, isn't it bizarre that the world kicks at that? That the world has no desire for that? Well, they might want their version of those things. But they don't want the real thing, which only can come from the Lord. The books will be opened in the great, right, great white throne judgment. You can't say that too fast or you get all messed up. The books will be opened. Just judgment will be measured out. And all who have denied God's love through Jesus Christ will be separated from God and the family of God forever. Gang, that's not good. The lake of fire, cast into the lake of fire where there's outer darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth, eternal eternal hell, eternal damnation, known as the second death. Who would want anybody to go there? Much less people hanging out in the church. This is just a, a great call for anybody that's not saved to get saved. If you've been rolling with the church and you're not saved... That's not going to do you any good. You're going to end up in the wrong judgment. Instead of being judged for the, for the, the, the service to God, hopefully, in your life, and just being blessed by that, you're going to be judged for, for not accepting Him and or rejecting Him. It's the same thing. If you don't reject Jesus, I mean, if you don't accept Jesus, you're rejecting Jesus. What did He say? You're either with me or you're against me. You're on my side or you're on his side? Who wants to be there? Oh, it's going to be rendered to these believers. 
We press on, but to those who are self-seeking, do not obey the truth again, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jews first and also of the Greeks. You notice he does both sides here, but again, going the other way again now, but glory, honor and peace to everyone who works what is good. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. Verse 12. For as many as have sinned without law. Will also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law. Will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law. Are just in the sight of God. This is a key. We're going to camp on this as we close in a minute. For not the hearers of the law. Or the word. Are just in the sight of God. But the doers of the law will be justified. That's not an encouragement to keep rules and regulations or place yourself under the authority of the law of Moses and the right of circumcision and all those Jewish things. None of that will do any good. It won't do me any good. We are saved by grace through faith and that is a gift of God. Amen. And not only are we saved from the penalty of sin and, and, and the, the price that Jesus paid on the cross, but the, the tense in, the, in, in that verse in, in Ephesians 2.8 tells us that that grace is ongoing. That's a continual grace that is measured out for you and for me. Because we, we get potholes in our life, don't we? There's potholes out there that we drive through or make. We, res, we react badly to some things instead of responding properly so many different things in our life that is so important for as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law and as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law for not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God but the doers of the law will be justified verse 14 for when Gentiles listen for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves. Verse 15, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves, their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel, Paul writes, I remember when I gave my life to the Lord, I knew nothing. Jesus loves me, this I know. Boom! Ministry. So many people say, oh man, I don't know what to say. I remember my wife ministering. She was, she's a, back in the, she's a Jesus revolution girl. In the tent. Hippie check. We should be a movie. The hippie and the cowboy. Yeah. There's got to be a movie somewhere in there. <laughs> oh, this heavy girls. Oh, my gosh. Barefoot and, you know, and the, oh, just, I mean, really, she could have, if you, if you want to really know any of the, in the time zone facts about that, just get a hold of that girl. Put your hand up. She's right here in a red chair sitting next to like, God, what's this? Carolyn is her name. She's happy to fill you in on how crazy that that was 
if you've watched the movie and kind of went, whoa. <coughs> to coin a phrase from then, it's far out. <laughs> Another one, it's heavy, man. <coughs> it's heavy. <laughs> you know, there's a whole peace thing going on back then, but it wasn't the right peace until Jesus showed up on the scene. It's a pretty great deal. Oh, patient, continuing in doing good. Faith that works produces the good things. Seek for the glory of God, not self. Seek for honor. To give honor to whom honor is due. And to seek for immortality, eternal life. What a glorious thing. Glory and honor and praise to him who sits on the throne. So important. But he's going to pour out his wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil for the Jew and for the Gentile. God does not show favoritism again. He has no favorites. You can't get a free pass. You can't carry around a little business card in your pocket and flip it out when you get busted in some sinful moment. Uh, you know, it just doesn't work. The ancient rabbi, uh, rabbis, <laughs> the ancient rabies, <laughs> that was good. Ancient rabbis taught that God will judge Gentiles with one measure and the Jews with another. <clears throat> Not true. Whether you have the law or not, know the law or not, it's your sin that condemns you. But we are justified by faith in the Lord, the gospel of the word of God. Jesus fulfilled the law. That is the glorious gospel. It's not in hearing the law, it's in doing of the law. James, you guys know James 1.22, right? Anybody? James 1.22. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. Did you hear that in our message today? Be, it's, not, it's not in the hearing. It's in the doing. It's in the application. The book of Proverbs is all about getting, under, getting uh, information, understanding, and wisdom. Wisdom is when you take the information that you're now understanding and you put it into practice. That's being a doer of the word. That's being a doer. When you hear some great godly wisdom and it, it touches your heart and then you understand that as you continue to read the word and the spirit of God speaks to you through the word, then all of a sudden you go, I get that. Or you hear, you know, Rory teaching or somebody teaching or, or you know, the lights come on. The spirit of God gives you clarification of the information. The moment you become a doer of that very text in the Bible you now have godly wisdom. And you just, let me tell you, you just want to heap up more and more wisdom upon your life because when you apply it, you see how amazing your life becomes. When the Word of God is who you're becoming. That is so rich in everything we see and do. Well, we are justified by faith. What a glorious thing. So be doers of the Word. It does go on. Let me read that to you. Let me just turn over there. It's such a great passage for all of us. James one twenty two. 
Boom, boom. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 21. But be doers and not hearers only. This is so important. Please hear this. A lot of people are hearing the word. A lot of people are reading their Bibles. A lot of people are taking it in without any further application. Without digging in or going after the understanding and then applying it to their life. It says right here when you do that, you're deceiving yourself. It's bad enough that the devil's on a mission to deceive us, to steal, kill, and destroy every chance we have of being the people that God wants us to be. But we can deceive ourselves. It's, you're deceiving. We deceive ourselves when we think that we can take in God's word and not apply it to our lives, basically, in its simplicity. We don't want to do that. But be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Don't you love that? Again, Ephesians 2, 10, I believe it tells us that we are his poema, his workmanship, what? Created for good works. We were created to be a people of doing good things according to God's word. We have an instruction manual, gang. We don't have to make up stuff, get a set of other kind of books. We just need to see what God has for us. And you, nobody will ever get the fullness of this book in, in, implanted or inputted or in, in their life <laughs> and applied to their life. I think if we live a long life and it's a good spiritual life living to please God, we're still only going to scratch the surface of the glorious things that God has for us. But we were created for good works. We were created to show the world there is a God. His name is Jesus Christ. And He has poured out His blood so that you could be washed clean. He has stretched out His arms so that you could see how much He loves you. When I see Jesus on the cross, He's saying, This is how much I love you. Don't leave here without Him today. If you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus Christ... Don't leave here without him. Paul is saying in verse 14 and 15 that even though the Gentiles don't have the written law of God, God has written his law of right and wrong on their hearts, on their conscience. I remember when I first gave my life to the Lord back in 1990 after a truck crash and the Lord used all that to get me, uh, get me born again. Uh, I remember when I was born again, it was like crazy. I was having an out-of-body experience. <laughs> it was like... What in the world? Why do I understand this Bible stuff now? And I don't, haven't even read it. How's that possible? Because I have the Holy Spirit now. I hadn't become a scholar of any kind. Still really not any of that. But man, I immediately just started to consume the Word of God. I remember, you know, I'd make my trips. I've been a truck driver for 49, almost 50 years now. Gosh, what in the world? 
What is wrong with me? I'm still doing it. And still enjoying it. It's kind of interesting. But serving the Lord, doing what you do for the Lord, living lives in a way that would bring others to the Lord. You know, I remember when I first got saved, I couldn't believe that, just like it's saying here, I just automatically, you know, the whole golden rule and all those kind of rights and wrongs, all of a sudden they were implanted in my heart. And it was just bizarre. You've heard the old saying, you can't clean a fish till you catch it? Okay. <laughs> Somebody's envisioning a fish going down the creek and trying to scale that sucker. You know, doesn't work, does it? You can chase them all day. The Lord doesn't chase us down. He doesn't start. To, he doesn't try and clean us until He catches us, right? Once we're caught, though, now the Holy Spirit's with us, in us, and upon us. Now we have the power of God, the Word of God, all that God is to begin to mold and shape our lives. And so He does this. He speaks into our lives that still, small voice that is so huge. And one of my favorite things that He says, ah, ah, ah. Don't do that. Don't go there. And it's not like a big bummer when you hear that. It's like, oh, got it. And then you hear the Bible study that confirms it. The first two years of my Christian life, I was, it was weird. I was like a conviction junkie. Because I didn't hear a Bible study for probably two years. It didn't bust me. God was, he took two years to bust me, to break me down, to point out all the stupid stuff in my life. And I sat there like a goofball eating ice cream. It's like, whoa, isn't this great? I'm busted again. <laughs> Something else I was doing wrong and I didn't even know it. It's so great in the knowing. See, people are responsible for things that they don't know are wrong. That's biblical. They're responsible for the things that the Lord speaks into their lives. Now they got the truth and the truth will set them free from whatever that might be. Oh, Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment, which kind of wipes out reincarnation, by the way. <laughs> when judgment day comes, those Gentiles, in verse 14, who are in Christ Jesus according to the gospel, Oh my goodness, this glorious gospel, the gospel that Paul loves so much, they will be rewarded for the things done for Christ. We have one life to live, folks. Listen, you might have heard this over the years. We have one life to live. That's it. One life that will soon be passed and only the things done for Christ will last. Only the things done for your precious Lord and Savior. John 13, 7, 17. You know, blessed or happy are you if you do what I say. Amazing. We're going to be closing in a little while, so just hang in there. <laughs> you notice how I threw out a little while? Oh, yeah. We're, we're just about there. Dang, I just want to encourage you. Just... What's that? What is the Nike ad that says, just do it? Look at all the press that gets. How about just doing it? 
How about just doing what the Lord tells you to do today? How about doing whatever the Lord has told you to do in the past week or month or maybe years? Some people want to know why they're not growing in the Lord. It's because he told you to do something three years ago and you didn't do it. He's waiting for you to catch up. He's waiting for you to get on board. To get on board with the Lord is so right. Gang, think about it. It's huge. It's true. It's life-changing. Oh, the first thing you have to just, you know, are you saved? It's the most important thing ever. Are you saved? Second, are you applying the principles for living a Christian life found in the Bible? Loving people, forgiving people, talking to God in prayer, reading your Bible, studying your Bible. Are you giving thanks to the Lord in everything, as the Bible says? Are you hungry for righteousness? Jesus said he would fill you if you are. Are you involved in the family of God? And we must be. Are you gentle? Are you kind? Are you faithful? Are you looking for his return? Hmm. Some of the things that not only prove your faith, but make you happy. Happy with capital letters is the word blessed in the Bible. Happy, fortunate, and to be envied. I love that that description. Uh, Can the worship team start making their way back up here? See, you you didn't think I was going to be done this quick, did you? Watchman Nee wrote this concerning carnal Christianity. My thing would be a lot shorter than his. I would say if you're living a carnal Christian life, stop it right now. Stop it today. Repent. Get right with the Lord. Though all Christians, Watchman Nee writes this, though all Christians possess a regenerated spirit, not all Christians are spiritual. Many are still fleshy. Their carnal mind is still full of wandering thoughts, reasons, and plans. Their emotions run wild with many carnal interests, desires, and tendencies. And their their will formulates many worldly judgments, arguments, and opinions. They are so occupied in following the flesh that they have neither time nor inclination to listen to the voice of intuition, the voice of God, since the voice of the Spirit is usually very soft. Even though it's very big, it's very soft, a still small voice. It cannot be heard unless it is listened to attentively with everything else quiet. Have you noticed that to be true? Dang. If you haven't surrounded your life or surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, He's calling you today. It'd be crazy to leave here without Jesus in your heart, saved, sealed, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Brand new person in Christ. Everything gone. All your old sins gone. Thoughts, deeds, everything gone. Buried in the sea of forgetfulness where there's a no fishing sign planted on the beach. You don't drink, you don't drag them back up and beat yourself. You don't let anybody else beat you with them. You don't let the devil beat you with them. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. It's that simple. This is the day of salvation. Maybe for someone here today or a few people today. Don't let Satan trick you into thinking you're saved if you're not. And I think everybody would, could be honest and say, if your heart's saying, well, I think I am. 
Well, don't go from here thinking that you are. Go from here what? Knowing that you are. Knowing that you're saved. It's simple. You can know that today. By simply confessing your sins to the Lord. Proclaiming you believe that He died for you. That He, that he died for your sins. That He was buried and resurrected. That He's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now making intercession. If you have received Jesus as your Savior, but you're still living a carnal, worldly life that is so noisy you can't hear the Holy Spirit speaking through the Word of God into your life, then repent. Turn around and run to Jesus. Hebrews 12.1 Lay aside every weight. This is a word for all of us in busy America, in noisy America. One of the most the most still, even with all the craziness, one of the noisiest countries in the world because we're just so busy climbing ladders and having fun and doing this and going there and having that. <coughs> Mary's sister, Martha, was busy just doing and doing and doing. And where was Mary? When Jesus was in the house, sitting at his feet. Have you sat at the feet of Jesus? Have you sat there lately? Have you just turned the noise off in your life and sat down? If you've got to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning to sit down in the quiet with Jesus, do it. You know what I was doing at 2 o'clock this morning? I was sitting in a chair in my living room. It was weird. It's like, why am I up? My dog was dead asleep. Everything was quiet. And yet I thought, oh, I just was thinking about you guys and individuals and situations and struggles and, and folks were trying to be a blessing to and help along the way and and it was so cool. The Lord just said, well, pray for him, you idiot. Instead of just thinking about all of you and all the stuff, he said, pray for him. And I'm not saying this to be cool. I'm just saying this because I couldn't sleep. But that's God's fault. He got me up so I could pray for you guys this morning that your hearts would be ready for this message today. And it was kind of like, you know, the lights came on again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Prayer. Intercession. That's what we do here. Yeah. This is a word for all of us. Because we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, which is all the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Let's lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares you and me and run the race that is set before us with endurance. Let's run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and ever lives to make intercession for you. He not only loved you to death, He's praying for you today. He knows exactly what you need, doesn't He? I know He knows. He knows what all three Iras here today need. All three of us. And everybody else that's in this place. Isn't that interesting? Different needs, different stations in life, different ages. But God's on the throne and God's got the plan. He's got it all figured out. I can't believe I got through this so soon. We did, Let's just do something else. <laughs> I want to give you 
just an opportunity today as we sing a last song. This song really is about building our lives. And, um, you know, the Bible tells us unless God builds a house, everybody that labors, labors in vain. You can try and build your life. You can try and build your program or whatever you're doing. But if God's not in it, it's going to fall short of the blessings that God wanted for your life. Is he, if he's not on the throne in that whole thing, guiding and directing, it's going to fall short. So we're gonna, I'm going to grab my axe, get up here. Let's all stand together and shake it out a little bit.